Welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Christopher Anderson, and I'm the host for this episode, which is being recorded from the Gaylord in Nashville and the Clio Cloud Conference. So excited. Joining me now, I have Olivia Vizacaro, and uh, just want to welcome you to the show. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I am pleased to be interviewing you. Before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what, uh, where do you work? What are you doing? What are you doing here? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a former attorney turned life coach for lawyers. I help lawyers who are over the overwhelm live lives with less stress and far more fulfillment. And I am here to talk about time management and help attorneys make the most of their time. So that's what brought me to Clio this year. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to see your talk, and I was inspired. Um, and uh, you know, I want to ask you some questions about some of the stuff you went over, if that's all right. Absolutely. So the first one is like, and actually, this one didn't come from your talk, but it's one of the things I I tend to. I work with lawyers too, okay. um, and uh, I help them with their businesses, not really with their not as a coach for their own personal overwhelm, right? But mm-hmm. more for how their businesses are. And one of the things I actually tell them is that, you, that time management is a fallacy. Um, and so I want you to call me out uh, because I tell them that, that they can't manage time, they can only manage themselves and how they, how they use the time that they've got. Because 168 hours a week, you know, so certain amount of time per day. So what, how do you react to that? Like, can, can one really manage time? Yeah. So I think the point that you're getting at is that time management is a math problem, mm-hmm. right? So there's a certain finite amount of time that we get and we get to, I like to think of it like spending an allowance of what we can do mm-hmm. with it in a day or in a week. And you want to be making really intentional decisions. So I don't think it's a fallacy. I think you can manage time just like you would manage money in a budget, but you want to be making sure that you're taking really intentional actions with that allowance that you have. So you want to be aware of the decisions you're making, know and like your reasons for making them. And if you are getting to the end of your day and finding yourself falling behind time and time again, you want to go back to the drawing board, evaluate, and make better decisions going forward. Yeah, you, you had said something in your talk, and it's, it echoed something I've heard a lot of. You, you echoed the first part of a, of a cliche, I guess, or a saying, which is um, that we grossly overestimate what we can get done in a day, but conversely tend to underestimate what we can get done in, let's say, a year or even maybe a month. Yes. How much is the right amount of time that where we're exactly right about how much we can get done? I mean, you know, is that true or do we really overestimate what we can get done in a day and how does that affect us? Yeah, we definitely do. So we just think that we can take a lot more action than we can in a given time period. So I always describe this like, trying to shove 10 pounds of potatoes into a five pound sack. And it sets us up for failure because we get to the end of the day and instead of getting to feel accomplished, we feel really underwhelmed with our performance, which ends up having an impact in the long run because you feel pretty discouraged and a little defeated and you don't get that sense of achievement at the end of a day. Now, you want to audit how long things take you so you can start to make more informed decisions. I always teach my clients, you want to be making data-driven decisions with how you're spending your time. So you're going to plan a little inaccurately in the beginning, and that's okay, but you just want to be getting consistently better and more accurate as time goes on. But that requires you to slow yourself down and actually take a look at how long it took you to write a motion or work on that contract or how much time you spend on email each day because most people don't factor that in. Yeah, so that actually brings up an interesting thought because 
I think most people approach time management or self-management or whatever we want to call it from that planning perspective. This is what I'm going to get done. But I've never really heard anybody talking about doing a post-mortem each day and going like, huh, I thought I would get 12 things done. I got three things done. Maybe three of, you know, maybe, or maybe we should size things. Like maybe I should know like I have smalls, mediums, larges, and extra larges, right? And this is my velocity. This is how much I can get done. So because otherwise, how do you get back to, how do you get to know how much to put in that five pound bag? How do you know what five pounds is? Exactly. How do you know what five pounds is? And if, unless you're taking an intentional look, that postmortem that you just mentioned, you're not going to make educated decisions going forward. You just say, oh, that didn't go very well. And I hope I do better tomorrow. But you keep remaking the same poor planning mistakes because you haven't gathered any additional intel by taking a look at what happened in the past and why you only got to item number three out of the 12 items that you planned. And it's normally one of three reasons. Either one, you thought your 12 things were going to take you a lot less time than each one took. So you only got to number three. That's fitting 10 pounds into that five pound bag. The two other reasons that people don't get through their planned schedule is that one, they'll reshuffle. So they had a nice plan for the day and it probably would have gone quite well had they stuck to it, but unscheduled phone calls came in and they responded to emails when they didn't plan to be or someone swung by the office and they let that take more time than they had planned on. And then the last reason that we fall behind and don't stick to a schedule is we procrastinate. So those are really the three reasons that... Isn't the reshuffling really just procrastination at the end of the day? For sure, it is. They're normally driven by different reasons, though. So procrastination in its truest sense is an attempt to avoid some type of negative discomfort and get temporary comfort. So seek that instant gratification. Normally, we're doing it to get some sort of entertainment in the interim, ultimately sets us up uh, at a deficit and leaves us in the red, doesn't produce the results we want, where reshuffling is normally coming from an attempt to overperform or rise to the occasion, but we end up doing it kind of in an unintentional manner. Got it. So yeah, because I was like thinking, as you you, you were talking through this, one of the things that, 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 that came to me was like, if you don't if you make these plans and you don't meet them, if you reshuffle and you're, you're, you're constantly feeling like you're not getting stuff done, you're teaching yourself that you're not, that you don't keep your promises to yourself. Right. And you're out of integrity with yourself. And that to me would seem to lead to a very bad, negative feeling in and of itself, which may teach you not to plan at all. Like how did you didn't say that, but like, am I getting that right? You're getting that absolutely right. So When you don't stick to a plan or when you plan poorly to begin with, you erode that self-trust that you have with yourself. You really become someone who can't rely on their own word. You don't do what you say you're going to do. You don't have that skill set of following through. And over time, that really compounds. So you end up quitting and giving up altogether. You don't make a plan because it's like, what's the point? You're not going to stick to it anyways. Why would I invest time into making a plan if I know my word isn't good? And that can really have detrimental effects, not only just what you accomplish in a given day because you're not planning, but what you accomplish kind of to that point you made earlier over the course of a lifetime or over the course of a year because you have such a negative self-concept view of yourself and that really erodes what you're able to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, just like if you never feel like you got it done, you never feel, um, I, I really I really felt what you said about the fact that you know, we go, we spend 
I guess, you know, if you're a lawyer, you spend, what is that, 12 plus 4 plus 3, 16, 19 years in an environment where there are semesters and, and classes. And you do your classes, you do the work. And if you've graduated from law school, um, like most of our listeners, like you had some level of success through this. And but you've like you were taught this whole method of working where every three or four months it's over, yes. And you get to say, I got a B, I got an A, I got a B plus. And now in after this nice six week break, I'll do it again. Correct. And we don't like, and then we get launched into a career where it doesn't end. It's just like it never. There's no. There's no pot of gold. There's no end of the semester. Um, and so if we don't have daily successes, I think we can end up feeling pretty bad, right? Absolutely. And you really have to reframe that. You have to get clear on what it means to be caught up. Or I don't even like the terminology. I really like to think of you being on schedule. So there's still work to be done because mm-hmm. that's the practice of law. There's always going to be more to be done. And when I ask people, do you even really want to be caught up? What do you mean by that? And they tell me, oh, caught up means being done with everything. I'm like, most of the people I work with, most of my clients, that's their worst case scenario to be done with everything, to not have any billable work right. left. So it's not even what we want to happen, but because we're so used to it from that academic environment that we've been in for so long, we keep chasing that. And it's the reason why people work late nights or work weekends. It's to get that sense of accomplishment or that sense of completion. And really that isn't the goal. So you want to set yourself up for those small wins. And one of the things I tell people all the time, it's going to be a little underwhelming in the beginning to Mm -hmm. see how much you can actually get done in a given day. It's probably less than what you'd like to get done in a given day. But if you plan really accurately and focus on the math of it, you can give yourself that sense of accomplishment and completion at the end of every day. Yeah, in fact, you coined a phrase around that that I want, want to explore a little bit with you. You called uh, called out the catch-up conundrum. Yes. Um, can you just first of all explain what, what is the catch-up conundrum? How does that play into this? Correct. So it comes from that academic setting where you have a syllabus and you have a finite number of tasks and you know exactly where you're at with regard to that syllabus. So you know if you're caught up with all of the assignments, you know if you've fallen behind and you know exactly what you need to do in order to catch up. So for the lawyers listening, you know, we never had a torts professor who would come to us three days before an exam and say, hey, before you finish your outline and you review the previous exams that I made available to you, I need you to do this legal research and get me a memo, right? So you're in this really insulated, artificial environment. It's like you're in a protective bubble. And we get so used to that ability to catch up and know exactly where you're at. And that's just not the practice of law, where you have unanticipated things come up throughout the day, throughout the week. New items are constantly being added and subtracted from your to-do list. I always like to think of to-do lists as ever-evolving, not never-ending, because that has a little (laughs) bit of a negative connotation. But it's ever-evolving, so you're never really being caught up in the way that we mean it from school. So there's always going to be more work to do. You want to make peace with that because if you're trying to catch up and that's just not how the practice of law is set up to get to that point of completion, then you're always going to be hustling towards a finish line that constantly moves. It's like chasing the horizon. Right. In your talk, you talked about um, there being two kinds of, I guess, uh, avatars, if you will, of folks that are involved in this this game of catch-up, whatever you call them, firefighters and procrastinators. Um, Can you explain a little bit about what that that duality is and what that means? Yes, absolutely. 
So people always ask me if they can be both, and you can, but normally you're operating in one or the other at a given time. So firefighters, that's where you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, really scrambling, constantly reshuffling, trying to multitask, and just being very unintentional and reactionary as you go through and manage your time. Procrastination's different. That's when you're really just in that avoidant pattern, mm-hmm. and you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you're just not doing it, and you're seeking that instant gratification and temporary pleasure to get out of the discomfort of doing whatever the task at hand is. They sound very different, almost like polar opposites, but they're actually not. They're caused by the exact same things, which is really encouraging because then they have the exact same solution. So even though they seem different, they're really similar. So what what are the exact same things that cause them? Yeah, so it's negative thoughts that you think Mm -hmm. about time, about time management, about the work that you have about the specific task that you're encountering. So negative thoughts that you're thinking, negative feelings like overwhelmed, stressed, pressured, maybe worried or guilty, maybe you feel inadequate, negative feelings that come up for you that you avoid. So you resist them, you avoid them, you react negatively to them rather than just letting them be there and taking intentional action in spite of and despite them. And then the third reason that we do either of these things, procrastinate or firefight, is that we're taking a negative action that doesn't serve us. Mm -hmm. We're not taking the positive action we need to be taking to produce that intentional time management result. So in in that framework where you said the the, the three causes are the negative thoughts, the negative feelings, the negative actions, you made a really great point about that really it's all, at the end of the day, it's really about the thoughts, right? And that your thoughts create the results. And uh, can you take us through, like, you, you took us through sort of a cascade from thoughts to the results. Can you kind of walk us through what, what you talked about there? Absolutely. So we refer to that in coaching as the think, feel, act cycle. And your brain serves you up thoughts about circumstances that you encounter, about scenarios that you are dealing with. And your thoughts cause your feelings. And feelings are just one word emotions. Mm-hmm. Now, your feelings are really important because they drive and determine all of the action that you take or all of the action that you don't take. And your actions will ultimately produces your results. So if you're thinking a negative thought, you're gonna feel a negative feeling. And if you're a normal human <laughs> acting like we tend to act, you're going to take a negative action when you're feeling a negative feeling. So the thought's negative, and then the feeling's negative, and then the action's negative, and it will produce a negative result. So your thoughts are so important here because you wanna make sure you're thinking positive thoughts, vice versa, you're thinking a positive thought, you'll take, you'll feel a positive feeling, take a positive action and produce a positive result. So you need to be thinking positive thoughts about time, time management and your workload in order to create the positive results you want. All right. So a thought that sometimes comes in is like, everybody's abusing my calendar. Like everybody's like, nobody will give me any time. And then my, so that's my thought, right? That comes into my head. And then the feeling there is, and I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. Where do I interrupt that? Do I interrupt that at the thought or at the feet? Like, do I choose to feel differently about that or do I have to change the thought first? Like, how does that work? It's such a good question. And I'm going to give you the lawyerly answer, which is like, (laughs) it it depends. depends. (laughs) But actually the answer is you're going to do both. So I always describe this like driving a stick shift where you've, you start off in neutral and you've got the clutch all the way down and you've got to give it a little bit of gas. You feather the gas and you're doing two things simultaneously, Mm -hmm. right? So same thing with changing your thoughts and just feeling your feelings. So you always want to start with changing your thoughts because if you change your thought, you automatically change the result. That's the most direct route to creating the result that you want. So you want to be thinking positive thoughts. You want to make an argument against how 
it's not true that everyone's abusing your time and that you actually are in control. I teach my clients that they're in control of their calendars. They're in control of how they spend their time. They're always making a choice. So you want to work on building up that positive thought, your belief in it. Now, sometimes those old negative thoughts are a little sticky. They, they linger, so to speak. And when that happens, you're just going to identify the feeling that you're feeling. So the example that you just gave me is you're feeling overwhelmed. And instead of avoiding overwhelmed by procrastinating or reacting to it and doing that scramble, that reshuffle, that unintentional multitasking, you're just going to let overwhelmed come along for the ride. So rather than letting it drive and dictate what you accomplish, I always like to say you're going to let it ride shotgun. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to come along for the ride. You're going to let it be there. You can feel overwhelmed and take intentional action. So I'd be like, all right, I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. I'm just going to do this next thing, yes. right? And then just do it, even though you're feeling, and like, because that sense of overwhelm is like, all right, there's 12 things competing for my attention. And I, I didn't obviously take the time, which you talked about all, earlier, like the, the day before of organizing it and planning and engaging my prefrontal cortex. Um, but, you know, so there I am, I'm feeling overwhelmed. So what you're saying is, okay, don't try to shake that feeling, just do the next thing. Yeah, exactly. Because the feeling of overwhelmed is just going to be so sticky for you. You are going to want to practice thinking thoughts like, I've got this. I can do one thing at a time. If I just start with one thing, I'll start to move the dial. Those are going to be some positive thoughts that start to get the ball rolling in the right direction. But at the same time, you're just going to take a deep breath and say, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. And that's okay. The most intentional thing I can do is take that next step forward and just start with one thing and go from there. Then you'll start to create some momentum because once you complete one thing, your brain will release some dopamine, you'll start feeling good and you can ride that wave onto the next task. Great, so one of the things that stuck with me from, from the talk, I think this is probably gonna be my last question, is, and I thought this was really powerful, is, you know, we're lawyers, right? So we want, we go to this thing, we're like, okay, I am now going to manage my time. Everything's gonna be better today. It's all gonna be better today. And then of course, it isn't, right? And so they're like, Olivia was full of shit. Like, nothing's better. Like, nothing improved. It's worse now because I, I took some time or whatever. Yes. But so what you did is you gave permission. You said, like, incremental change. And you talked about that. And can you, so can we talk a little bit about, like, how you could just make it a little bit better? Yes. Um, without trying to swallow the whole elephant in one bite? Totally. So the first thing that I like to turn people on to, there's so much shame and embarrassment around poor time management. And I just want people to take a deep breath and really practice some self-acceptance. You've never learned how to do this before. School doesn't teach you. No law firm you ever worked at probably taught you how to manage your time. So it's okay to be bad at something you've never learned how to do. But now you get to learn. So you want to start making those 1% incremental improvements. I think the best way to get started doing that is to audit your time. So literally just keep track of how you spend your time during the day. You will gain so much intel and you'll be able to make much more informed decisions about the future. I also like people to do evaluations. And the evaluation process that I teach is so simple. It's three questions. What worked today? What didn't work today? And what can I do differently? And those evaluations will identify some of those small incremental changes that you can start to make. I teach a three-step process for people to follow. You want to make sure you're controlling your calendar or better yet, reclaiming control of your calendar mm -hmm. if you've given away some of that control. 
You want to be planning accurately, so you do want to go through and make that plan, and then you want to honor the plan by starting work on time, working without interruptions, and ending on time. That's like the big overarching mm-hmm. focus on how to ending manage time. Ending on time. Wow, mm. yeah. <laughs> well, if you indulge in perfectionism, you'll spend way longer right. on things than you need to. So you have to give yourself permission to say, like, I'm stopping today at this this time. And, I mean, what that sounds to me like is actually admitting that time is finite and, like, it just, you know, and, and, and that you have to organize it with it, organize yourself within that finite time and being true to your word and committing to the start and the end. Yes. That's amazing. So I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, this, we've reached the end of the road, if you will, for this episode. And I want to thank our guest. Um, this has been uh, Olivia Vizacaro uh, for joining us today. Um, and of course, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Bye.